what's taking children seriously about? We could kind of divide it into two parts. One, people treat children worse than anyone else. The standards for how you treat your neighbor, how you treat your coworker, how to just be a decent person in your treatment of others that our society has are not perfect, but like they have a lot of good in them. They're pretty decent in various ways. And people make exceptions for children. There are other groups that get special exceptions and then get worse treatment as well, such as people labeled with a mental illness. But children is like the largest and the most abused group that gets the worst treatment compared to just normal ways people treat each other. And that's a big problem because you should basically be treating your child the best out of everyone you deal with. You should put like the most effort into being like extra nice and extra helpful with your child. And people do do that in some ways, but they're also the meanest with their own children. And they can be quite unhelpful in some ways, in ways they would be helpful with other people. Because they think like the child should know better or the child needs to like learn not to do that. Like if, if they have a house guest and the house guest spills something, they'll just clean it up. But they'll get annoyed if their child does it sometimes. Children don't always get the same tolerance that adults do. Okay, so that's the, the first part is try to treat children just by like all of the already existing good standards our society has for how to treat people. There's, there's lots of good ideas we already know about treating people. There's traditions for what it's okay to do to other people or not and how to be nice and polite and tactful and respectful and helpful and how to have interactions for mutual benefit and how to treat people in a voluntary way and how to get consent and so on. And those things are really important and ought to be applied not just to your neighbors but to your children. And then the second big part is applying philosophy to parenting. So parenting is primarily about education. Children need to learn things. If the child learns enough, then he'll be very successful as an adult. He'll have the skills, competence, methods of thinking, etc. to deal with adult life, solve his problems, um, make money, figure out what he wants in life, get what he wants in life, whatever it is, etc. All of that comes from learning. People have a narrow view of education and they think it's like just school subjects or something. But education is a broader issue of learning anything, even if it's not taught in schools. Anything you want to like know how to do, any skill, any understanding how to complete a task is a matter of knowledge. Not just knowledge, because you also might have to do it. Like if you want to move something from one place to another, you have to know how to move things, like pick them up and carry them. And you also have to actually do it, like, you know, use your muscles and stuff. But the knowledge is, it's not the whole story, but it's generally the most important, most interesting component, the component that's most often lacking. If you know what you're doing, you can, you know, find solutions for the other stuff. Like you can use a dolly to help you move something, or you can get a stronger person to help, or you can have multiple people lift it together, or you know, you could put butter on the floor so it slides. 
put it on a towel and then drag it. There's lots of solutions that are available if you know how, in case one solution doesn't work like because you're not strong enough. So it's knowledge is like the, the best thing in the world, the most important thing. And so what children really need is to learn lots of things. And that includes specific things like uh, how do you rent an apartment? When you live in your own home, what do you do there? How do you make dinner? How do you clean the bathroom? What sorts of upkeep is important? What sorts of upkeep isn't important? Um, how do you like take a key with you and lock the door? All sorts of basic stuff. And people learn specific things like how do you do a particular profession? Like they learn to be an architect. And they learn specific details like how TVs work and how to use a TV. You know, all sorts of stuff like that is useful. But then even more important is learning how to learn. And that's a cliche, but it's still true. If you could actually get really good at learning things in general, then that would be better. Like, instead of learning how to use a TV, it'd be better if you learned how to learn things so you could just really easily figure out TVs or anything else like YouTube or Netflix. The reason people are a bit disillusioned with learning how to learn is the stuff that is supposed to help you learn how to learn, like critical thinking classes at school or just their school education in general, aren't very good at it. The, the stuff that claims to be able to provide that is not very good quality, not very effective. People come away from school, like, confused. Like, not only do they not know how to learn stuff in general very well, they didn't even learn math, and they're not very good at reading. That's like a typical result by the end of high school. And college generally doesn't fix it. But if you actually, like, find good philosophy that actually works and actually makes sense and actually is useful and so on, then that would be really valuable if it could help you learn how to learn. And so there's a field of philosophy called epistemology, which is about the philosophy of knowledge. Um, what is knowledge? How do you get knowledge? Which is what learning is. Getting knowledge equals learning. Because like the things you learn are knowledge. Knowledge is roughly um, useful ideas. So when you learn something, you're learning some sort of idea, and not just any idea, but something you think is like useful or good in some way. So that would be knowledge. So there's a field of philosophy about it. And then most of the stuff in the field is not useful, not helpful. Actually, most of it is just straight wrong. Um, one of the main ideas in the field is called induction, which is completely wrong. And then another idea Induction is a, um, it's supposedly how most learning is done. But it's actually not possible to do it at all. No one's ever done it in the whole world. Um, it has logical flaws, so it, it's just nonsense. If you want to know about that, you can read uh, David Deutsch and Karl Popper. Go to fallibleideas.com and then click on the what to read reading list thing. And then uh, you can find their books there, including specific relevant chapters to focus on. Anyway, another bad idea they have is that knowledge is justified true belief. So they're infallibleists. They think you have to be right or it's not even knowledge. Like if you turn out to be mistaken, then you never knew anything. And it's very authoritarian and it's very like 
trying to find ways to prove they're right instead of trying to make progress and accepting that people make lots of mistakes and what we should do is try to improve our ideas and fix some of our mistakes rather than prove that we're right and there are no mistakes left. So a lot of the approaches to the philosophy of knowledge are just really bad and they are fancy abstract intellectual stuff that most people wouldn't want to read. And not much has been done to uh, connect them to daily life and like make them useful to lay people just going through a regular life. And the reason that hasn't been done, well, the, the number one reason it hasn't been done is it can't be done because the ideas actually are bad and won't help your regular life. Secondarily, um, people just sort of see philosophy as an abstract thing and they're not very interested. They want it to be like fancy sound bites and impressive sounding stuff rather than a practical, useful tool. That's what they think it's for. That's why a lot of people got interested in it. A lot of people who want ideas that will actually help them in their life look somewhere else other than philosophy because the field has such a bad reputation. However, like, I can't really call my ideas something other than philosophy because that's that's the right word. It would be, like, confusing if I just... I don't even know what else I would call them. Anyway, so there's applying like ways people treat each other that are pretty good to their children, and there is learning the actual good philosophy of Karl Popper, David Deutsch, and myself, and using that so that you can help your children actually learn how to learn and be good thinkers so that they can have a rich intellectual life and actually be good at things like problem solving instead of just muddling through life, being kind of confused all the time and um, suffering through lots of their problems and just being bad at lots of things. So to do both parts of these requires that you be some sort of intellectual. Now, you don't have to be like, some college professor who uses the thesaurus all day long and writes like things no one can understand. You don't have to sound like a postmodernist or a Kantian or something. Like being an intellectual is about thinking about ideas and trying to understand stuff. It's not actually about writing confusing stuff. So it's actually better if you can keep it simple and explain things with simple short sentences and organize your thinking in simple ways. The, the sort of tangled mess, tangled mess of ideas that people associate with intellectuals is actually a bad idea. You shouldn't be trying to aim for that. But you do need to be able to read things like philosophy books. If you can't read a philosophy book, then you're going to have a very hard time learning this stuff. You don't have to be able to read one right at the beginning, but you're going to learn, have to learn how to read one. Like, if you get good enough at thinking and ideas, you're going to, at some point, need to be able to figure out how to read some philosophy books like David Deutsch's. You don't have to be able to read Kant. Like, that stuff's harder and messier and worse. But at least some of the, like, better and clearer books you should be able to read. Because if you're not at that level, then you're not going to be able to teach your kids how to learn how to, le how to yeah, learn how to learn. Like... 
that is hard. And if you're not able to like even just read the fabric of reality or the beginning of infinity, then you don't understand stuff well enough. But you can get started by having discussions and talking to people. It doesn't have to be like reading a book right away. But then as you get better at discussions and you learn and understand more, then you ought to get good enough at communication, understanding ideas, figuring out what stuff means, thinking about things, etc., that you could then read a book. So, and you're going to need to learn a lot of stuff in order to figure out the right philosophy, which is the Popperian stuff is only understood very well by, I don't know, like a few dozen people. Like, that's it. So, you will, if you learn it well, you will end up wiser than the vast majority of people in major ways. And if that sounds hard, I mean, it kind of is because, like, most of your neighbors aren't going to help you. Like, there isn't very much societal support for this project. It's easier to learn something that, like, half the population already knows. Then there's all sorts of helpful resources. However... The ideas aren't just like blindingly complicated. You don't just have to be like some super genius to think it through. A lot of the ideas are reasonably simple and where people get stuck is not that the ideas are too difficult. It's that they have blockers on their own learning. They have emotional problems like they get upset about criticism or they dislike reading and just tune out, things like that. And those kinds of problems are really, really common, but they can be something you improve on and they're they're worth working on. Like there's good reasons to try to get better at that kind of thing, to be more calm and deal with your emotions better and stuff like that is, you can, you can see why that would be a worthwhile thing to work on anyways. Plus it's like particularly useful for dealing with your kids. You don't want to be like getting mad and yelling at them or something. Then the other issue is if you want to treat your children as well as you treat your neighbor thoroughly, no exceptions, you're going to need to learn a lot of stuff and have some serious discussions in order to do that because you have blind spots and weaknesses. Like there are reasons that people mistreat their children and it's actually subtle and complex and it takes a great deal of high quality thinking in order to be really self-aware and to be introspective and to understand yourself and how you treat people and to actually figure out your motivations and how you're treating your kid and be aware of it, including subtle things. Because a lot of what parents do to children that's mean is small things and they actually add up and make a huge difference. Children learn to be very aware of small signals from their parents because they're so dependent on their parents and they need their parents to be in a good mood and treat them well. So children learn to really try hard to please their parents. Most of the time, not always. Sometimes they rebel. Like Sometimes they um, are so displeased about something that they escalate and try to express to their parents that it's a very big deal. And then the parents say, oh, you're just crying wolf all the time. Which is why the child can't just express stuff in a mild way is because the parent just ignores them. Unless it's the child like causes a scene. That's a, a really common dynamic. Anyway, the point is, 
the way people treat children badly is so ingrained in our culture. It's so normal. It's so common sense that people are super blind to it and they have so many rationalizations about it, so many excuses for why it's okay, so many ways they're dishonest about it. So if you want to do better and treat your child in a more rational way, you're going to have to go on a journey of self-discovery or something. You're going to have to learn how to think more clearly and more precisely, learn how to organize your thoughts better. And all that philosophy stuff, you're going to be need to be good at learning yourself and good at communicating and all that stuff just in order to figure out how you're treating your child and then have some ideas about, I'd like to do this instead of that. I'd like to change this and then actually successfully implement those ideas and actually be aware of what you're doing enough to know whether or not you successfully changed your behavior to the new idea. So it's like a big project. That doesn't mean that it's all or nothing though. You can learn like little pieces and make some small improvements and it's better than nothing. But if you want to do like TCS, which meaning the Popperian philosophy stuff and the reasonable, decent treatment of children in terms of things like violence and consent, like then that is a significant project. You're not going to be able to achieve that unless you learn quite a bit about thinking, discussing ideas, etc. People use physical force, violence, against their children on a routine basis when the child is young. They drag children. They strap resisting, crying children into car seats when the child does not want to be in the car seat. That is physical force. That's violence. You would not treat your neighbor that way. People pick up little children and carry them somewhere. That is abduction. That's like a crime, or it would be a crime if you did it to a different person. Like, violence isn't just hitting children and spanking children. Dragging people, carrying them around when they don't want to be carried is also violence, like literally just plain violence. The fact that it doesn't leave a bruise doesn't prevent it from being you using physical force to thwart the person's wishes and control them in ways that you have no right to. You're violating their autonomy and their rights using physical force, brute force. Anytime you're doing stuff to your child that would not work if you were smaller and weaker than your child, that is a sign you're doing something very badly wrong. The ways you treat your neighbor in general work fine if you are smaller and weaker than your neighbor and have no guns and knives, you know? Sometimes you actually are smaller and weaker than your neighbor, and it's fine. And sometimes you're bigger, but you still treat them in ways that would be fine if they were like a bodybuilder or whatever. But with children, people are constantly treating children in ways that would not work if the child was larger and stronger than they were. You would not be able to just drag your child around if he was bigger. So there, there's really blatant stuff that people are still blind to and do all the time. And then there's much, much more subtle stuff. There's so much depth of how people mistreat children in ways that are harder to see and understand. And then, so the fact that they're blind about like the super blatant stuff, and then there's actual subtle stuff, like how are they going to understand the subtle stuff when they can't even understand the really blatant stuff? So it takes a great deal of improving your thinking in order to do really well on this stuff. A more subtle issue, though not especially subtle, than physical violence is threat of physical violence. When you, like, ground your child and he stays in his room, like, what exactly is keeping him there? What sort of threat is it? 
the threat is the parent is going to escalate if the child doesn't obey. And where will that escalation lead? Not initially to violence. Initially, it will lead to stern voice and threatening to take his phone away. And because children don't really get property or something like normal people do. And it'll lead to threatening not to drive the kid to school so he has to walk. And then if the kid just keeps rebelling and resisting and won't obey, the parent will probably escalate to things like getting really upset and possibly yelling loudly. And if that doesn't scare the child into obedience, people absolutely escalate further. They escalate to things like getting a psychiatrist involved or sending the kid to some summer camp he doesn't want to be at for troubled children. And, and how is he sent there? You know, people will literally like trick their kids, say they're going one place and then drive them to some camp and drop them off. It's just like physical brute force. Like you couldn't do it to a, just like a, your neighbor without it just blatantly being a crime. So that's a little bit of an introduction to part of the taking children seriously perspective and what kind of project it is to get involved with and why you might be interested in trying to work on it.